Hello everyone and welcome back to episode number 13 of the Backmarkers podcast, your one-stop shop for all things F1. And in today's episode, we will be getting into the all the drama and all the fallout from the Portuguese Grand Prix that's just happened yesterday in Portimao. Now, it was a pretty average race, to be honest with you. That's my honest opinion of it. I thought it was very long-winded at points and not really much. It was an interesting race for strategy, but not really an interesting race for wheel-to-wheel action, except from at the start. But, of course, this is your race weekend review, so we will get into FPs 1-3, to qualifying, and then, finally, the race itself. So, without further ado... Let's get into episode number 13 of the Backmarkers podcast. So let's get into your race weekend review with FPs 1 to 3. Just a quick rundown of those sessions. Obviously, the conditions for this weekend were very, very difficult due to the low grip nature of the circuit and the undulating nature of the circuit, which makes the wind a lot more prevalent than it usually would be. But the interesting inclusion in this FP1 session, as nothing particularly dramatic happened, was my, well not my boy, my boy is Charles Leclerc, but Callum Eilot, who should have got that second Haas seat this year, was testing for Alfa Romeo in first practice as he is now their second reserve driver alongside Robert Kubica. And I think that's a fantastic addition to that Alfa Romeo team. Keeps in line with the Ferrari Driver Academy stuff that they have going on over there. And seeing Eilot in practice one was such a good sign, considering he'd been shafted out of that second Haas seat by Mazaspin. But in terms of times, we had Valtteri Bottas topping the timesheets of a 119.64 with Verstappen two hundredths back from him with Perez then two tenths back from Bottas as well. Charles coming in in P4 with Hamilton rounding out the top five with Bottas having a three-tenth advantage over his teammate. Another little thing about FP1 is if you didn't see it on Twitter or anything (laughs) you saw that um, Bottas, not Bottas, but he saw that Vettel went into McLaren's pit box by accident instead of driving into the Aston Martin one. Moving on to first practice two, we saw Nicholas Latifi go into the gravel once again due to those tricky conditions. But again, nothing much else to report from the practice sessions except for Sebastian Vettel, again, not having a good time with that Aston Martin, seeing him down in 15th place. Really thought Aston Martin struggled all weekend with the low-rake philosophy really, really not doing them any favours. But whereas Mercedes, as I'll go on to say, they later, they go on to fix their car and find out what's wrong. Aston Martin just don't seem to be improving race on race. But it is only the start of the season, and we will see what happens as the season goes on but in keeping line with the competitive nature of 
the grid this year, the top 12 people on the timesheet were split by less than one second, which is mental when you think about it, considering how dominant Mercedes have been over the past couple of seasons and how crap Ferrari were last year. But Lewis Hamilton topped the timesheets with a 119.837, with Max and Valtteri coming in P2 and P3. Max one-tenth down on Hamilton and Bottas three-tenths down on Hamilton. Carlos Sainz put in an impressive P4. Again, 0.36 seconds off of Hamilton. What really surprised me in this session, though, was the Alpines coming through, which would be the start of a great weekend for them, coming in P5 and P6, showing that those upgrades that they put on at Imola have definitely, definitely sorted them out just a little bit to get them up the field again back to where they were at the end of last season. But moving on to practice three, once again, we had a third different person topping the timesheets, and that was Max Verstappen. But FP3 also continued the dismal weekend for Sebastian Vettel, with him coming in in 18th place. Norris, uncharacteristic spin on turn 14 again showing those difficult conditions with the wind and the low grip nature of the circuit but this moves on to qualifying which I'll get onto right this instance but to round out the practice top two you had Max Verstappen who was a quarter of a second quicker than Lewis Hamilton with Bottas and Sergio Perez not far behind so we start off with Q1 on Saturday's qualifying session and it was a similar story for most of the drivers in this scenario but but there is a couple of exceptions. So towards the end of the session when they had four minutes remaining you had Yuki Tsunoda, George Russell, Mick Schumacher, Nicholas Satifi and Nikita Mazepin in the bottom five with Vettel being the man in danger in P15. Max was also complaining about having no straight line speed, which was something that would be seen in the race. But as Q1 came to a close, honorable mention to Sergio Perez hitting the gravel during this part of the session. But as Q1 came to a close, we had Ricardo going out in Q1 with Esteban Ocon being the man dealing the final blow to him. Which means that in Q1, out in Q1, Ricardo and Lance Stroll, to name but as another person, were out with Nikita Mazepin, Schumacher, Latifi, Stroll and Ricardo all going out in Q1. Moving on to Q2, but Verstappen again, Barely any straight line speed, still managed to get it in P1 for the early stages of the Q2 session. But then a minute later, we had Bottas going 0.6 seconds faster, with then Hamilton going another 0.4 seconds faster than Bottas, meaning he was 1.1 seconds clear of Verstappen. But we move on to the end of Q2. In the drop zone, with five minutes left, you had. Kimi Raikkonen, Antonio Giovinazzi, Carl Sainz, Yuki Tsunoda, and George Russell. 
But then towards the end of Q2, George Russell put in a stellar lap, but he only qualified 11th, 0.05 seconds off of Q3, which was his highest start as a Williams driver, but not close enough. George will get into Q3 one day. I am absolutely certain of it, but this weekend was just not his weekend in the end. That rhymed. But in Q2, another disappointing performance for Fernando Alonso, who then qualified 13th, but would later go on to have an amazing race, as I'll get into in a minute. So knocked out in Q2, you had Raikkonen in 15th, followed by Sonoda, Fernando Alonso, Giovinazzi in 12th, and then George Russell in 11th. So in Q3, we had Gasly, Vettel, surprisingly, Perez, Sainz, Leclerc, Verstappen, Ocon, Norris, Bottas, and Hamilton. So the, the whole storyline behind Q3 was, is Lewis Hamilton going to get his 100th pole position? That answer would be no, not at all. So the first lap that was recorded in Q3 was Verstappen's, Max Verstappen's lap. He rode a 118.2, but then it got deleted for track limits, which is a shame. But then Q3 was a bit of a damp squid, and Valtteri Bottas managed to take pole from his teammate by approximately 0.007 seconds. So in the end... Like I said, damp squid of a qualifying. We had a top 10 of Vettel, Gasly, Leclerc in 8th, damn it, Norris in 7th, Ocon, Sainz, Perez, Verstappen in 3rd, Hamilton, and then Bottas. But Q3 was marred by a little bit of controversy because of that track limits breach by Verstappen, which would have gotten in pole had he not gone over the line. It called into question the rule of the advantage where if you go off the track you're considered to be getting an advantage overall but this didn't actually give him an advantage in the slightest which is why I think Red Bull were a bit miffed at the end of qualifying to see that it got his lap time got deleted but I think at the end of the day the more black and white the FIA are on on track limits the better it will be nobody likes to see lap times getting deleted but at the end of the day it has to be done to keep some integrity and some consistency in the sport. As I was listening to Tomo's post-race chinwag, shout out to Tomo, hello YouTuber, go and check him out. Um, he was saying that track limits are essentially the VAR of Formula 1 and I could not agree more. So you had the top 10 of what I've just said. Bottas on pole, Lewis Hamilton third, Max Verstappen, or Lewis Hamilton second even, Max Verstappen in third. So that set the race up for Sunday, and now we will get into Sunday for the race review. So after the drama and qualifying, we get on to the race itself. No drama at the start, unfortunately, so I'm just going to go through my notes here of what I saw. And at the end of this segment, I'll get into my winners from the weekend and my losers from the weekend. 
as well as your championship roundup. So, calm start, safety car on lap one due to Raikkonen making contact with Giovinazzi coming down the main straight into lap two. Uh, his front wing came off and he went straight into the well, straight into the gravel. Um, it was later found out that Raikkonen was trying to adjust a switch on his steering wheel, wasn't really paying attention to Giovinazzi who was in front of him and subsequently he retired. He's already owned up to his mistake so there's no drama in that team at all. So one thing we did see during this race was at the start was all the people that were on the medium tyres to begin with really really struggled to get them warmed up with the tricky conditions because of the wind mainly and we saw Carlos Sainz go up from go up to fourth overtaking Perez because Perez is obviously on those medium tyres. They took a long time to warm up and Science was on the softs. So safety car comes in. Bottas leaves it really, really late to get going, effectively allowing Max to overtake Hamilton going into turn one, which was I celebrated because obviously I want Max to win the championship this season. But he kind of screwed Hamilton a bit, Bottas, and... Max went up into second. An interesting point to note, though, during this end of safety car period was Daniel Ricciardo, who managed to gain five places within the space of lap one and the safety car coming in, which just shows that he might be actually getting to grips with that McLaren. And I thought that Daniel Ricciardo, in the end, had a good race. So after the safety car comes in, we have Hamilton overtaking Max again for second place on lap 11. And then in the space of a lap, he managed to open up a two second gap on Max, which again was very unfortunate for the likes of myself who want Max Verstappen to win the championship. And yeah, I also noted down during this period that George Russell, despite qualifying for 11th managed to lose four places down to 15th in the opening stages so after George lost four places um, we had lap 13 we had a bit more drama between Yuki Tsunoda and track limits of all things this is the second time in two races that Yuki has been warned about track limits he didn't he got a black and white flag at Imola last weekend well two weekends ago but this time he got a second warning and then wasn't warned any further, assuming he'd fixed his issue on surrounding track limits. But I think this is just a rookie error, and with experience and time, he will get more to grips with the Formula 1 car. Also, I think that Sonoda hasn't driven at this track before, if I'm not mistaken. So again, rookie errors, don't think there's anything to worry about there. So after this, Perez re-overtook Science back into fourth after his tyres had warmed up, which, again, everyone who seemed to be on the mediums was really, really struggling with the windy conditions and really, really struggling for grip, which is a shame, really, because my boy Charles, who I predicted a P3 between this, really struggled on the mediums at the start, meaning he didn't really gain any positions. I think he was running in ninth at this point in time. So I noted on lap 17 that if Red Bull were to have any chance of winning this race, because we know as Formula 1 fans, as soon as Mercedes get a gap in the lead, they've basically won it unless there's a mistake. 
I noted on lap 17 that they needed to go for an undercut on Bottas to try and take the lead and that didn't happen. So on lap 20, three laps later after I made that note of Red Bull needing to go for an undercut in order to overtake Mercedes, Hamilton does a fantastic move going into turn one down the undulating roller coaster thing, well, the roller coaster part of the circuit, and just blitzes past Bottas into the lead. He then opened up a gap on Bottas, and that was where I'd say the race was decided, in my opinion. But this also seemed the return of the Hamilton's victim complex of Lewis, my tyres are shot, Hamilton. Again, I think we're all a bit fed up now of Lewis Hamilton complaining about his tyres and then going to set fastest lap after fastest lap after fastest lap. It's a bit of a joke now. And again, I've said in the past that Lewis, Lewis Hamilton, despite being an amazing racing driver, absolutely fantastic bloke, I, I still think he has a gigantic victim complex, which he can fall back on should something go wrong. So after Lewis Hamilton took the lead, we saw the first round of pit stops with Carlos Sainz first to stop onto the mediums. And as I've just said previously, um, Charles de Klerk struggled on those mediums at the start. And as the stops went on, Charles went onto the hards, Sainz went onto the mediums, and Sainz really struggled on the medium tyres for the rest of the race. Uh, after this, I made a note on lap 30 that the Williamses were lapped with Russell down to 19th after starting 11th. Not a good day for him in the slightest. So I also wrote underneath this, I think this was just me being a bit mad that Hamilton had taken the lead and he was just opening up a gap on to second place. On lap 34 I wrote, every race is a snooze fest when Hamilton overtakes early into the lead and that from the sentiment that I saw online, in terms of wheel-to-wheel -wheel action, this race was poor and definitely the third best race out of the three so far this season. So moving on from that, we had the first, well, the first and only rounds of pit stops with Max into the pits, going for the undercut on lap 36. And I believe this call for Max to pit would have came really really late as it saw on the replays Max is flying around turn well the final turn onto the main straight he then quickly darts into the pit lane locking up costing him a bit of time to try and get down to that pit lane speed of I think it's 80 kilometers an hour I believe that's what cost him going into the lead after Mercedes pitted the on I'm pretty sure it was the, either the next lap or the neck the lap after that so after the pits we have Max overtaking Bottas to go into second place and then I've also written down that Charles overtakes Carlos and I thought it was Charles just overtaking Carlos just because he was quicker than him but actually it was team orders where Ferrari ordered Carlos to move aside as Charles was quicker on the harder tyres and he just needed clean air to see what he could do to challenge Lando who was up in P5 at this moment. Really good race by Lando Norris by the way. Had that early setback with having being overtaken by Perez due to supposed, well Perez thought it was track limits breaches but I think 
it, it was just a racing incident at the end of the day. But another solid race for Lando Norris. And I think if Ferrari were to have any chance of overtaking him in this race, it would have come from Charles rather than Carlos. Charles being on the harder tyres. And I think Charles finished around three and a half seconds behind Lando. And I think that was the gap for the rest of the race. I made a note on, no, moving on even, I made a note on lap 42 because Perez at this point was in the lead and I thought they were going to keep him on the mediums for a long while, long time until well, to block up Hamilton essentially to give Max a good chance of overtaking him. And I said I put Perez to pit onto softs on lap 42 which would eventually happen, but it didn't happen for a longer time. And Perez, absolutely fantastic tyre management from him. Those medium tyres he started the race on were 53 laps old on lap 48 because of him using them in qualifying. So absolutely fantastic tyre management from him. But he didn't hold up Hamilton as much as I thought he would. So now we go to the back of the grid are on lap 43, Nikita Mazepin is 18.2 seconds behind Mick Schumacher. And then by lap 46, as Mazepin had to pit, he ended up being 54 seconds behind Mick. The less said about Nikita Mazepin, the better. It's been done to death. I think everybody knows how much of a poor driver he is and how much he shouldn't be on the grid. But he's just not competitive. He is just not competitive. And, and as I previously said, he was only just within the 107% time for qualifying, which is a bit worrying if you ask me. But that wouldn't be the end of Nikita Mazepin's dramas for the weekend as he unintentionally blocked Perez when he was about to be lapped with blue flags. Mazepin, I listened to some team radio on YouTube afterwards and Mazepin actually did apologise on the team radio and as a result of this blockage, he received a five-second penalty. So, 52 laps on the medium tyre. This is going back to Sergio Perez, by the way. 52 laps on the medium tyre. I've written outstanding management by the Mexican. They did put him onto the softs on lap 48 to get that fastest lap which he consequently got, but then obviously Bottas got it over him in the end. At this point in time, Max opened... Well, at this point in time on the team radios, you had Toto Wolf going, Valtteri, you are the quickest man on the, on the circuit. Go and get Verstappen. Go and get him. So obviously Valtteri was pushing like hell, and this costed him in the end, as he seemed to be getting some issues which meant that Max opened up a five-second gap on to Bottas, which would stay at, well, it would, it would stay quite a lot until the end of the race, until they did the late rounds of pit stops. So, moving back to the back of the grid, we have Mick Schumacher doing a very good overtake on Nicholas Latifi on lap 63. Gary Gannon on the radio, give big up Mick, which is what we love to see as... Uh, we love Gary Gannon on this podcast. He is by far my favourite race engineer. One pe one person that I didn't mention, that I haven't mentioned yet, is Fernando Alonso, who 
who had a fantastic race. After qualifying in P13, he would then go on to finish 8th in that Alpine. Him and Ocon both looked really, really, both looked really, really good in that Alpine this weekend. They had a very, very strong weekend. And you'll see that I've reflected that in my winners and losers from this weekend. But we also have the final bit of the race in the closing stages. I've written that Ferrari's strategy has cost Carlos Sainz no points for him after getting overtaken by Gasly on the last lap. So he finished P11 after qualifying P4, I believe. No, P4, P5, can't remember off the top of my head, even though I probably just said it. <laughs> I've just checked my notes again. And Carlos did qualify P5 in the end. So end of the race, we have another flurry of pit stops between Red Bull and Mercedes. As at this point, that Bottas had a big gap to Perez behind him. And then after Bottas pitted, Max had a big gap onto Bottas. They both went out on the softs to try and duke out for fastest laps. Max would then get the fastest lap only for his lap time to then be deleted for track limits violation at turn 14. Your podium winner, your podiums for this race, Lewis Hamilton in first, Max Verstappen in second, Valtteri Bottas in third. For the 15th time in F1, making them the most, that's the most common trio on the podium ever. But now... We move on to next weekend's race. It's race week or raw seek or whatever you want to say is Spain. And I've just written Spain next. Oh no. So from a technical standpoint and a strategy standpoint, the race was quite interesting in my opinion. But at the end of the day, it wasn't. Some of the wheel to wheel action was good between Hamilton and Bottas and Hamilton and Verstappen. But at the end of the day, I Definitely think this was the poorest race out of three so far. So we move on now to my winners and my losers from the weekend. So my winners from this weekend are Alpine, the team itself. Fantastic weekend for them. P7 and P8 for them. Mick Schumacher, brilliant race from him. Finished over a minute on his teammate got his overtake on Latifi, which is what he was hoping for. I remember reading something about Mick saying that now he's not at the front of the grid, he's treating whoever's front in front of him at the back of the grid as P1. So he's saying, right, Latifi is P1. I need to overtake Latifi to be P1. And then when he did that, he'd be like, okay, George is in front of me. I need to overtake George now. And I think that's a really, really good attitude to have, especially if you've, just been F2 champion, well, we only won two races, but being near the top of the grid to then go to the back of the grid, it could be quite a uh, culture shock, but he seems to be adapting to that quite well. And obviously my final winner from this race weekend, unfortunately, is Lewis Hamilton. Fantastic race from him. Overtook both of his title rivals in the space of a race. Just calm, composed, what you expect to see from Lewis Hamilton nowadays but my losers from the weekend Nikita Mazepin again has to be one of the losers simply because 
Poor race, finished over a minute behind his teammate, got lapped by George Russell, who was only three places in front of him. Not a good one for him. And another loser, as I've previously said, Carlos Sainz. I think despite qualifying P5 and having a really, really good Saturday, he really suffered on those medium tyres in the second stint, meaning he finished out of the points. And now between Ferrari, it's 3-0 to Charles on race pace and 2-1 to Charles on qualifying pace. And my final loser from this weekend is George Russell. I think qualifying P11 is really, really solid for him. But at the end of the day, he just couldn't convert that to a points finish, which is what everybody wanted. But there's no fault of his own for his driving style. I think it was just the car underneath him. He later came out and said at the end of the race on the team radio that it was a real battle to, for survival and the car was on edge for the majority of the race and obviously safety is important if they can't push any faster because the car's balance is all over the place uh, you just don't want them to be hurt at the end of the day so three winners Alpine Lewis Hamilton and and Mick Schumacher and then my three losers Carlos Sainz Nikita Mazepin and George Russell. Special shout out to Daniel Ricciardo on the winner's side. He would have been my fourth winner had I been able to choose four winners. But got going from P16 to P9 is fantastic. And hopefully this is the start of Daniel really, really challenging Norris in that second McLaren seat. So your Constructors and Drivers Championships updates from the last race. We'll go from bottom to top so on the constructor side we have Haas, Williams and Alfa Romeo all on zero points Aston Martin in seventh with five points Alfa Tauri in sixth with nine points Alpine in fifth with 13 points again strong weekend for them Ferrari in fourth with 42 points McLaren in third with 53 points Red Bull in second with 83 points and Mercedes hitting triple figures with 101 points. So it's still quite close to the top between between the first two Red Bull and Mercedes and then the second two of McLaren and Ferrari. Moving on to your driver's standings, we will again go from bottom to top. So we have Latifi, Mazepin, Schumacher, Russell, Vettel, Giovinazzi and Raikkonen all on zero points. Vettel not scoring points again, but I think it was a better race for Aston Martin this weekend. Tricky conditions, again, nothing much you can really say about it. Then we have Yuki Tsunoda in P13 with two points. Fernando Alonso in P12 with five points, along with Lance Stroll, who is also has five points. Pierre Gasly in 10th with 7 points, Esteban Ocon in 9th with 8 points, Carlos Sainz in 8th with 14 points, Daniel Ricciardo in 7th with 16 points, Sergio Perez in 6th with 22 points, Charles Leclerc in 5th with 28 points, Valtteri Bottas in 4th with 32 points, Norris in 3rd with 37 points, and then the top two, Separated by 8 points with 61 and 69. Nice. Respectively, Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. My driver of the day was Sergio Perez. Fantastic tyre management and 
drove an all-round good race. And that is your race weekend review for the Portuguese Grand Prix. And that is a wrap for your race weekend review for the Portuguese Grand Prix in the F1 2021 season. Apologies for no news this week. I thought I focused mainly on the race, but if anything comes out between now and the next podcast, which will be your race weekend review for the Spanish Grand Prix, I will put that in that podcast as well as my opinion on it. But as always, thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter for any of F1 views or views on anything else, my Twitter is at ellisspearman 22 If you want to send me a message, the link is in the description. That'll send me a voice message and I will, again, take a note of it, read it out. And if I get any, then I will add that as a segment into the podcast. As always, follow, share, all that jazz. This podcast is available on every single platform that you can think of. Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, the lot. If you want, you can leave a review. But most importantly, share it with your F1 F1 friends who like it. And hopefully they like podcasting too. But as always, this has been the Backmarkers Podcast, episode number 13. Your one-stop shop for all things F1. And I'll see you all next time.